You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. On January 12th, Queen's University announced that the federal government has committed $24 million through the New Frontiers and Research Funding Transformation Stream to Queen's University-led research poised to extend the lifespan of metals using unique molecular coatings that could save billions of dollars on maintenance across a number of sectors, including aerospace, automotive, cancer therapy, consumer electronics, and infrastructure. The work could position Canada at the forefront of the barrier coatings industry, which has a national economic impact of $31 billion a year and currently employs over 211,000 people across the country. To discuss this groundbreaking new research and its funding is Dr. Kathleen Credden, Organic, Organometallic and Materials Professor in the Department of Chemistry here at Queen's University, Canada Research Chair in Metal Organic Chemistry, and Lead Researcher on this new project. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure having you here, and wow, huge congratulations. Kathleen, First off, what was your response when you learned your team's funding application was successful? $24 million. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were delighted. Um, and and as you may know, it's kind of a long process from when you first write your letter of intent and the, the numbers get whittled down from 350 some applications down to seven. And so at each stage, we were just thrilled. Oh boy. Wow. Amazing. So now Kathleen, before jumping into your team's new innovative project, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the research and teaching you do right here at Queen's University? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I um, started life as an undergraduate, like all other researchers and at the University of Toronto, in fact, and I always was interested in organic chemistry. Organic chemistry has a lot of you know, direct applications, pharmaceutical synthesis, that kind of thing. Um, but I also remember in my third year being exposed to organometallic chemistry, you know, the transition elements. Um, and these are incredible elements They each have their own reactivities. And so I really became interested in bringing those two together and worked on that through my PhD. And then, you know, this is really an area that our group has been very interested in. We've recently brought this to materials chemistry, which is what this project is more about. Okay, thank you. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about um, what attracted you to the research itself. Like you talked a little bit about some of the things that you were doing in your undergrad degree. What, what was like, what was the spark? What was like, I want to do this with my life. Yeah, I guess, I guess metals just really open up new, new ways of, of affecting reactions, right? So in some of the reactions that um, metals catalyze, um, you can really see them as little tiny um, robots piecing organic molecules together. You know, they, 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 they grab onto different, different types of molecules, they piece them together, they, they um, um, release them and then they take another. So metals are really incredibly interesting. They also have amazing colors. Mm-hmm. So organometallic chemistry can be really colorful. Some of it can be very reactive. You can have things that will literally spit fire if they are exposed to atmosphere. So 
I think it was the reactivity. It just really opens up all of this new, interesting, unexplored reactivity. So that's something that we were just really interested in. Plus you have the organic point of view. So at the same time, organometallic chemistry really lets you cross organic and inorganic um, um, fields. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Now, let's learn a little bit more about your team's research. Kathleen, in, in layperson's terms, I wonder what problems you and your team identified related to the lifespan of metals and ultimately the solutions that your team will be developing with this new grant. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting to me when I was really starting on this research is that you know, we think of metals as being very strong, very reliable, right? You know, we hope so. They're on our bridges and in our cars and airplanes. And they are because, but partially because they're carefully coded and inspected regularly. Um, but they're actually not, not fundamentally stable. So if we think about how we make iron ore, how we make steel, we take ore from the ground, right? We mine it. Mm -hmm. And then we have to smelt it, which is a really energy intensive, high temperature process that gives us the eventual iron and the steel. And you, if you ask yourself, why do we need to put so much energy in? Well, the reason is that we're making a less stable form. So iron is more stable as it's oxide, as it's ore, as rust. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, we put all this energy into making metals and in their metallic form, and then we throw them into the environment and they, they want to go back fundamentally to the ore that we mined. There are a few exceptions. Gold, right? This is why gold is great for jewelry yes. because it doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. So gold is an exception. There are a few other small exceptions, but most metals like to go back to their oxide. Think about silver forms of patina or sorry, copper forms of patina, silver tarnishes. So gold is really an exception. Okay. Most metals are more stable as their oxides. So then it relies on coatings experts and surface chemists to, to try to put on coatings that will really prolong the life lifespan and as long as we can prevent this return to the oxide form. Okay, fascinating. Thank you. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, the research team too that you'll be working with and how your project enhances cross-disciplinarity and ultimately with whom you'll be collaborating. Yeah, that's a great question and thank you. Um, it would This would be literally impossible without a team of people that are very different from me, right? We have, we bring the synthetic chemistry expertise, a bit of material science, surface science to the, to the plan, but there's a lot more that has to be done. So in Queens, we have two um, really, really phenomenal early career researchers as part of the team, um, Chantelle Capicotti, who is cross-appointed to DVMS and surgery, um, and Kevin Stampakowski at Queens. These are two young people who are phenomenally talented um, and they're working with me on this. Um, Alistair McLean from physics is another key part uh, from chemistry. So he, uh, from Queens rather, so he will um, be able to see molecules like he, his imaging technique is so incredible that he can see individual molecules and be able to tell us how they orient on the surface. And then if we go outside of Queens, um, we have uh, uh, Yolanda Hedberg and Paul Ragonia from Western. Mm -hmm. They're phenomenal corrosion researchers, material main groups chemists. Janine Moserol from McGill, who's an electrochemist. Um, we have uh, Christian Moreau from Concordia, who is uh, um, a materials engineer. Um, and we have Gong Zheng from UHN and uh, um, uh, University of Toronto, who is a nanoscientist and a medical researcher. And around that team, we have 
industrial scientists, we have other researchers that are not part of the core team. Um, so it's, it's, it's a large group. Wow. Okay. And now insofar as the group is developing really a fundamentally new approach to protecting metal surfaces, Kathleen, can you tell us more about the anticipated practical impacts for both industry and also your research discipline? Yeah, well, it, this is going to, for the discipline, this is going to provide basically a new way of um, making the metals more organic, right? So you, we put this coating on that we've, we have already started working on. The coating obviously has um, its roots in work from our lab. Um, and the idea is to make the metal more organic. So it binds better with the top coat because, mm -hmm. you know, paints and everything are based on organic chemistry. So this is where I love this because it's like a large scale bringing together the organic and the metal from, from, you know, what I love. Um, and so, you know, if we think of something organic now as a chemist, when I say organic, everybody thinks, um, natural, right. But chemists, that's, it's not the, the correct definition. So organic is something which has carbon and hydrogen. We think about something like olive oil. Olive oil is organic. And if we were to put that on a metal surface, on an inorganic surface, it would just slide off, right? But so what we want to do is we need to use a met um, an organic molecule that's more reactive, but not something that's so reactive that it's going to spit fire when it sees water or atmosphere. So we need a Goldilocks sort of molecule, something that's a little reactive, not toxic, um, easily sprayed. And so the practical applications are going to be that at the macro scale. I should go down to the nano scale um, because this is macro, micro, nano sort of. We're going to look at using these same organic molecules to protect small metal nanoparticles and nanoclusters that, that are, you know, um, a thousand times smaller than the width of a human hair kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And these are going to be used in cancer chemotherapy treatments with UHN. The idea is you can, you can change the surface of the structure so that it binds to a tumor. And then when you give radiation therapy, the radiation just is way more effective because the nanoparticle helps to make reactive oxygen species that kill cancer. So um, there really are a huge number of um, different possibilities on different length scales. So it's really, it's exciting. And, and the, the, the level of innovation will change too, right? So at the macro scale, this is more engineering, more practical at the nano scale, it's more basic research. So it's exciting to, you know, there's basic research component to all of it, but mm -hmm. it's exciting to see that we have all different aspects. Now, will we find some of these um, also in everyday consumer products too? Well, like, we will be looking at the micro scale. We will be looking at um, whether we can, whether this work can help us with a better way of making semiconductor chips, um, mm -hmm. which are in basically everything. And I think it's really important for Canada to be not just a receiver of the technology in the semiconductor um, space, but also a, a, a contributor. And we already do contribute in some ways, and this would you know, increase our um, um, involvement in that supply chain, which really helps us in the end when you're looking at, you know, a, a global pandemic that leads to shortages in ships. If you're a part of the supply chain, you're intimately involved, which is much better than simply just being a receiver of the technology. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, I'd like to explore a little bit about uh, the day-to-day -day work in the lab, if, you, if we can, for the benefit of non-specialists who've never set foot in a research lab before. 
Can you tell us more about the science that will be taking place? Can you describe a few examples of what you and your team members will do on the day to day in, in, in simple terms? How do you do the science? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's going to be very different in every lab. So in my lab, we will be doing both making the organic molecules. So we need to tailor these molecules. We need them to be bespoke in terms of what application. So for anything that's going to be in vivo, they need to be water soluble. Um, for anything that's going to be going on a coating, they need to be the opposite of that. They need to be um, water repellent. They need to bind well with paints, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and for micron scale work, they need to be very dense and, and be able to block structures underneath them while microelectronics are being built up in multi-layers. So the first thing we're going to do is just use fundamental chemistry to be building these different molecules. Um, and at the end stages, it is a bit of a challenge because as I said, they need to have intermediate reactivity. So you know, what we really need is, is a molecule that's going to act like, um, it, we, we would call it ditopics. It's got two things on each side of it. One side's going to grab the metal and hold on to it. The other side is then going to give you the properties you want. Do you want water soluble? Do you want water repellent? Um, and so there's some synthetic chemistry challenges in how to make those. Um, and then we need to make nanoparticles or nanoclusters out of them. We need to look at what's, you know, we'll send them to our engineering friends who are going to look at how do we apply these. Um, the nanoclusters we'll send to our friends who are doing the work in UHN and looking at, you know, how, how do these behave in vivo? How do they, and we have collaborators around the world that are going to be looking at you know, the photophysical properties, how would these react with radiation therapy? So it's, uh, we've got collaborators in, as part of the project, um, Finland, Japan, UK, US. So it's a big, it's a big team. <laughs> Fantastic. And very exciting indeed. Thank you so much. Now, let's hear a little bit more about Canada's New Frontiers in Research Fund Transformation Stream which supports high-risk, high-reward interdisciplinary research such as yours. And of course, the work. I'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, that and also the work that you did to secure its funding. So for the benefit of students again and junior scholars in STEM, what did you actually have to do to secure this $24 million grant? Yeah, well, let me start by saying, you know, sending a huge kudos to the government of Canada um, and to the um, Tri-Council and our, our um, Dr. Mona Niemer, our science advisor to the Prime Minister. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, I do a lot of work in Japan and I've worked in the U.S. Um, and in, I've, I've been visiting professor in Spain and France. And so I'm familiar globally with funding, you know, the different funding ecosystems. And Canada has a lot of advantages, but the lack of something like this, a really large scale grant that allows you to take a discovery and push it forward has been unfortunate for Canada in the past. And I think this, this particular stream is really changing that. Um, it's a challenging thing to address. It, you know, it's, it's challenging to, to, to put together as a grant program, but I think it's really what we need. If you look at Historically, Canada has actually produced many key discoveries, but then they don't get followed up on. They get followed up on by other countries. So this is really going to help us to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the process, um, so we start with a letter of intent, and I think it was 356 applications. Um, 
you you have to put that together, define your team, you know, figure out specifically what you're going to do. Um, and then you go to an, an, the next stage, which is a, a larger grant. Um, and then at that point, you know, you, you're writing 18 pages, single spaced, you know, it's actually, it wasn't a larger grant. Some of them can be very large. Um, and that takes a lot of time, especially where it's multidisciplinary. I remember many phone calls and Zoom calls with our um, medical collaborators, and I'm trying to understand how the, the you know, photothermal therapy and x-ray PDT works. And it's just, it was really a challenge for me to understand everything. And then when you finally get selected, the last step of this was a presentation to um, a team of researchers. And you can imagine they're reviewing medical, engineering, social science, hard sciences, physical sciences. So it's a really big panel of people with all kinds of different expertise. So, um, and you make a, I think it was a 10 minute presentation. Um, so it took a lot to, and that was a two year process. So we had been working on this for years, for two years. Um, I would say for those listening who are interested, communication skills are key. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking to a non-expert, um, you have to communicate why this is important. You know, do you have the expertise? And then is it something that's gonna matter to Canadians? Can you accomplish this? Um, and in addition to being able to communicate both through speaking and also writing, um, there's a visual aspect too. We're very visual people. And I know I'm on radio, but um, <laughs> chemistry in particular is very visual. And I ended up, we hired a uh, graphic designer to help with the final slides, um, also the original grant, just to help us communicate better. And it made a huge difference. I mean, I thought my slides looked great, you know, keynote expert and all, you know, joking. <laughs> and then this uh, person, Dr. Zachary, he took over and his slides were just, you know, he gave me goosebumps. And so being a good communicator is really key. And writing skills, I spend a lot of time writing. I actually have a minor in English, um, which I just did because I thought it was great to read books and write an essay and then you get a mark for it. Uh, but it really has helped me out in, you know, dramatically. So I would say really practice your writing skills and your communication skills. Great sage advice. Thank you so much. All right. So Kathleen, what are the next steps? You've got the grant. What are you doing next? Yeah, well, we're hiring, we're hiring a lot of people. So the one group of people who I haven't given a shout out to are the grad students and the postdocs who do the work. You know, we're the ones who say, you know, throw ideas at them. And, you know, they have a lot of their own ideas as well. Um, and, you know, so we need to hire the people that the bulk of this money will go towards salaries for um, people who are, you know, in training, right? Um, and in terms of bang for the buck, you know, if you think about the salary levels and that are spent in industry on training, I mean, this is a great use of the money. So, so the, the, there will be some equipment that need to be purchased, but by and large, we are spending this money on people. So hiring from Canada, from around the world, hopefully the top people in these areas to, to come into our labs. And um, yeah, so that's the next step. We're hiring a project manager um, because I'm not good at those things. And uh, you know, the, all of the support staff that we're gonna need. So it's pretty exciting. Fantastic. Very exciting indeed. Anything else to add before we wrap up today, Kathleen? No, thank you very much for reaching out. It's a, it's a real pleasure. I'm, I'm delighted on behalf of Queens that we've brought this in. And uh, I, I want to send a thank you to, to Queens as well. When I was first 
um, when I first put up put out the LOI and we were selected, Queens was incredibly supportive in giving me what I needed to um, to write this grant and and they continue to be extremely supportive. I think uh, I think it's a fantastic thing. So real shout out to to Queens University. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So folks, we've been chatting with Dr. Kathleen Crudden, Canada Research Chair in Metal Organic Chemistry and lead researcher of this new $24 million project to develop new organic methods to protect metal surfaces funded through Canada's New Frontiers in Research Fund Transformation Stream. Once again, a huge congratulations and on your team's achievement. And thanks again, Kathleen, for joining us and sharing so much about this innovative new research project. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.